I've called today's sermon Sacred Cows, all right, because there's things that become so important to us, traditions that we have that are so important to us, we elevate them to the level that they are beyond question. You're not allowed to question that. It's just the way we've done it. It's what we've always done. And we're going to see, I believe, through God's word today as we, as we study it, that, uh, that actually a right application of God's law, and it's his, his amazing law. Psalm 119, the entire chapter, it's the longest chapter of the Bible. Every single verse is talking about how it's beautiful, how it's a light to our path and a lamp for our feet. It's like honey on our lips. It's amazing. It's wonderful. We're going to see that a right application of God's law leads to inclusiveness, leads to a sense of wonder, leads to a hunger for holiness. But a wrong application of God's law can lead to exclusivity, can lead to hidden sin, can lead to power that oppresses people. That's where we're going to go. In a second, we're going to pray. I need to do one more thing. I almost forgot. I want to let you guys know who, because um, uh, we were praying for the encounter night that happened last weekend. Can I have a slide up on stage? Uh, the, thanks, friends. The, um, there was a worship night that happened at Oceanside at the base of the pier, and it was amazing. Many of you guys were there. It's these annual things that, that we do, and God is truly moving in North County, San Diego. There was, I don't know, 25, 30, 35 churches involved. Many of you were there. It was astonishing. And just before it, actually, uh, someone was clapping, great on you. Yeah, someone, someone uh, but just before it, me and a bunch of the other pastors were there praying and, uh, and just for the night that it would go well. And there were some guys, because it's Oceanside, who were smoking like a lot of marijuana just close to us. And it was like wafting over to us. And, and one of my mates was there saying, God, the aroma of Christ is going to fill this place. You know? and it was like, and, but I thought it's indicative, you know, of, what, of what's going on. And uh, God is on the move. So I just wanted to let you guys know that. Let me think. I think that's everything we need to check off before we pray and get into the Word of God together. Oh, Lord, here we are again. Your people, Lord, bereft of hope without you bereft of hope, yet in you, Lord, fueled by hope, given your vision for things big and things small. Thank you that you're bringing renewal in our hearts, in our community. Thank you that we get to be part of it. And today, Lord, I ask that you will amplify your voice. We're, we're studying what it means to understand your word. So as we understand your word, as we understand it on a deeper level, um, I ask, Lord, that it would come through you amplifying your voice, diminishing my voice, Lord. We, we long today to hear from you. Thank you that you haven't left us to our own devices, but you're an involved Father. You care for us. You counsel us by your powerful spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I have the photo up, friends, of like, there's some guys uh, surfing? Now, another one, that's this one, yes. So, so here's the thing. Um, we have a lot of rules, whether they're written or unwritten, about how we operate. If anyone is a surfer out in the audience, you're looking at this, just like me, you're wincing. 
because there is actually a, a rule, a set of rules to surfing. And, and this photo is the worst photo that I think I've ever seen. There's so many breaches of surfing etiquette going on here. I don't even know where to begin, right? But when it, when it happens, when it clashes, it's, it's a big deal. I was out surfing with one of my sons the other day and there were some guys arguing out in the water. But it's not like, you know, rural Australia where there's no arguing and there's just fists and someone's broken nose and they paddle off without speaking. Here it's like, blah, 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 right? <laughs> Ruining everybody else's surf. But here, there's the guy who's actually, whose wave it is. This is called a right-handed wave, even though it's going to your left, on, they're on the wave, so it's going to their right. And the guy who's there, and his leash is on the wrong foot, which is a whole other thing, but, but he is there, and he's dropping in. And, but then there's a guy, is it, is it two yards from him? Not even. Who is dropping in on him, and that's, that's no bueno as a surfer. And even worse than that, there's a guy dropping in on the guy who's dropping in. And then there's a guy who's thinking about, should I drop in on the guy who's dropping in on the guy who's dropping in? And then, and then there's a guy you, just next to the guitar who's definitely about to be run over. That guy, I don't even have time for that guy at the moment. But this guy here on the SUP, he's going to ride out the wave and he's going to go 200 yards down the point. Um, but but here's, here's the thing, uh, rules help us. This is actually a pretty dangerous situation in a wave of that size. But we have these rules and, and we have these traditions. And today there was a clash going on between Jesus and those who were the keepers of the rules. Who were they? Well, thanks for asking. They were the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law that come from Jerusalem. Remember in chapter 3, we uh, looked at it a few weeks ago, they came up from Jerusalem, Jerusalem, they'd heard that there was this upstart carpenter. Is he a carpenter? I don't know. Who did he train under? Who was his rabbi? Who gives him the authority to, to teach like this, to cast out demons, to question our authority? We're the ones with authority. We are the biznit. We're the spiritual authority. Who, who is this guy? And this first 13 verses of this passage is about Jesus dealing with the religious authorities. We call it the honchos. Then there's a couple of verses where he deals with the peeps, with the crowd at large, and lastly, the, the part where he deals with the dudes, where he deals with his disciples. But this part here is the honchos. And it says they, they come up from Jerusalem, and it says, look, they gathered around Jesus. They saw what he's doing, but they were there surveilling him. They were there watching him. They were there judging him. And don't we sometimes do that? We think for a second that if things haven't gone the way that we wanted, our job, our life, our marriage, our something, God, I can't believe you did this. Don't you love me? Aren't you more powerful that you can overcome this? Could be a false binary. Could be that he is both loving and he is all-powerful. But his plan is not your plan. Are we willing to say that? Or do we sit there and judge him and sit in judgment of what's going on and, and all? And the disciples were there, it, it said, they saw this, the Pharisees saw this, and they, they saw that the, the disciples were eating with hands that were unwashed. They were the great unwashed. Because Jesus was an upstart from nowhere. I mean, he was like, where, where I grew up, rural Western Australia, where you guys would go, you'd think there is literally nothing here. You'd look around for days, you wouldn't see anybody 
But Jesus is, and so are his disciples. They're these guys, and maybe Matthew, Levi, perhaps Simon the Zealot, we don't know. But most of his guys, his disciples, his closest, what we call the apostles, were peasants. They were, they were fishermen. They were these people. They were untutored. How dare they presume? They don't even know how to wash. What's with these guys? And, and here, because John Mark, who wrote the biography that we're looking at, is kind, you'll notice the parenthetical remarks. Remember, he's writing this to the church in Rome comprised of, of uh, um, some Jews, but mainly non-Jews. And he puts this here, and it's useful for us, because he says, well, the Pharisees and, and all the Jews, they don't eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing. It's called washing the fist, is the literal translation. Can I have a photo up of the how to wash your hands thing? Okay. Now, I know that before the pandemic, um, I used to think I knew how to wash my hands. As it turns out, I had no idea. And there's, uh, there's up to eight, there might be 16 different ways to do it, I don't know, or, or steps to it, which I think number two is kind of self-evident. Like, if you're going to wash your hands, you think you would rub them together, I suppose. But here's the thing. Hasn't our world changed? I confess that at the beginning of the pandemic where we thought it was on doorknobs and that, you know, it was floating on the ocean. I mean, you guys are too smart for that, but, you know, I'm like, oh, who knows, maybe. And I took my kids for a walk and uh, we walked around the park and whatever and came back home with the dog and I got the Clorox wipe and I wiped off the latch of the gate because who knows, someone might touch it, you know, I might get the COVID. And, um, you know, not realising till later that it's if someone sneezes in your face, etc. But then I had this thought, I thought, oh no, the dog, people patted the dog. So I've got some Clorox wipes and wiped off the dog. <laughs> and uh, my wife is sitting there laughing at me and, you know, you guys are too smart for that. But here, this was, this was a big deal for them. And, you know, and, and, it, and it says here in verse 4 that when they came from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they wash. And, and so it wasn't so much a matter of hygiene for these folks. It was a matter of exclusivity for these folks. Because they believed that in the marketplace, where there's all sorts of folks, there might be Gentiles, like non-Jewish folks. There might be people who were considered unclean, a, a woman in her time of month or, or a leper or, you know, they had all these things and, and they even believed that if someone's shadow like that fell across them, that they were rendered unclean. So they'd come and they'd ceremoniously wash their hands and, and this for them was a sacred cow. And aren't they so backward? Can I have the photo up of the sacred cow? And you know, you've seen this if you've gone to, uh, if you've gone to India and they, they worship cows there because it gives milk and they, they won't eat the cows. They often actually cause a lot of strife, these cows just wandering about um, without any enclosure. But we don't do that. Oh, these guys are so backward and, and you know, in, the, in India and my gosh. And, but do we? Do we have sacred cows? Do we have things that are beyond question, things that we have elevated to the level of highest importance? Can I have the next slide? I asked for friends to come up with, uh, with things and it was like, and just got so big, so quick, people saying, well, this is a sacred cow. We talk about this and, and the oxygen, if you didn't notice, just got sucked out of the room because some of you guys are looking at things saying, well, all the rest is ridiculous, but that one, that's my thing. How dare they even say that's a sacred cow? And maybe there's two of them. Who is this rude person on stage saying that's a sacred cow, saying that thing? It might be important. I don't want you to think it's not important. But don't elevate it to the level of highest importance. 
We're going to come back to that. In fact, the list was so big, I cut it down by what could fit on one slide and also things that I, Nick, have personally had conversations with here in this Jesus community with people on each side of an issue. That means that you might be sitting next to someone who disagrees with you. Don't look at them. It'll be so awkward (laughs) right now. But that person, they have a different opinion than you do about one of these things. Oh my gosh. What if they get sucked down a vortex into hell? And you're sitting next to them. Maybe you'll get sucked (laughs) down with them. This is terrible. Or maybe you'll think about unity. Maybe you'll think that, that you may not have the full perspective yet you'd listen even if they're 99% wrong there might be 1% of something that you can value and learn at even if it's just to learn listening itself sacred cows do we have them I think we do why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders they say it's an accusation This is what we've always done, Jesus. Don't you know this is our tradition? How dare you question that? How dare you not abide by that? This is what we've done. How does Jesus reply? With a rebuke. Keep in mind the social disparity here. These are the the leaders of the nation. They've come up from the, the center of power up to the middle of nowhere, the boondocks of Galilee, and this guy is a guy telling them off? He says, I was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. It's a very strong term. The the term actually is is a term of actors. People who would would act, who would be phony and fake, they're, they're dissemblers, they would wear a mask often enough on stage so you couldn't see what they're really like. They're, they're pretending to do something. You're hypocrites, he says. I said, I was right when he said about you. And, and here he, he quotes from the book of Isaiah. He quotes from what's called the Masoretic text, I, I think. Um, and, but if you look it up in NIV, it says, these people come near to me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is made up only of rules taught by men, human rules, human traditions, They're abiding by this thing on the outside, but actually their hearts are rotten. And he says to them, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions, mere human traditions. Can I have up the photo, a a portrait of a a guy? Looks old, old, old. Here we go. So this is just a little, um, little dorky aside for 30 seconds. And by the way, there's so much stuff that are in the notes online about this. Um, This guy was called the Rabbi Moshe Ben Maimon. He's like a very, very well-known Talmudist or think like Jewish theologian from the 12th century. Fascinating guy. And he wrote down the 613 mitzvah, which are the Old Testament rules because sometimes they overlap sometimes they're slightly different and he was already identified but he's the one who sort of enumerated them into 248 positive things that we ought to do and 365 negative things that we ought not to do one for every day 
of the year. Well, actually, we're meant to do them all every day of the year, but you know what I'm saying, right? And, and he wrote them down. But by the way, the 30 seconds of interest, this guy was a fascinating guy. Born in like 1138 in Cordoba in Spain. A brilliant. He was a foot and a half smarter than anyone else in his generation. Became a, a theologian, a Talmudist, and then also was an astrologer, was a philosopher, was a, a doctor, a physician. Actually ended up, how's this? After a terrible life where his wife died, his son died, his brother died, and he's exiled, and, and he, he ended up being the personal physician to Saladin, the guy who, remember, booted the crusaders out of Jerusalem. It's a crazy story. This, this, someone ought to make a movie about this guy. But he's the guy who enumerated them. And some people argue, well, there's more or there's less, but either way, this is kind of the standard thing, right? And I printed some out. I'm going to read some of them. Okay, in the positive... Okay, number three in the positive, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Deuteronomy 6.5, we've heard that one. Someone quoted that one by the name of Jesus. He also did this one, positive 206. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself out of Leviticus 19. Yeah, that's right. And what about this one? This is a cool one. Anyone out there just married or thinking about getting married, this is for you. 214. For a groom will rejoice together with his wife for a year. Because in Deuteronomy 24.5, it says that he shall not be sent to war, nor be given any other duties. So coming up for marriage, guess what? You've got a year off, fully paid. It's awesome. See your employer about it. Okay, right. What about, okay, negative ones. What are some negative myths for? Some negative uh, thing or things that we shouldn't do. Okay, number two, make an idol. You know, the little silly idols that they'd bow down to. You know, we're so beyond that because now we don't bow down to professional life or, or you know, financial security or nationalism or, or whoops-a-daisy. Well, you know, maybe we do. You know, there was some, some uh, you know, there was a negative one there. What about another negative one? How about this, number 38? And this is from, uh, from Deuteronomy 18. Don't seek information from a dead person. Like, it's called necromancy. Like, not dead and you're talking to them, but like, where you sort of conjure them back. Oh, well, whoops-a-daisy. What about number 43? Uh, not shave the temples of our heads. Ever seen Orthodox Jews and they have that? You wonder where it comes from? This is where it comes from. Leviticus 19. What about, okay, this, this is interesting. Okay, there's all these ones on sex. There's like about 15 or 18 people you shouldn't have sex with, which seems to me it'd be easier to have one positive one who you should, but, but anyway. But the first one is uh, number 330, and this cracks me up. It says, do not have intimate relations with your mother. It says, do not commit incest with her. Here's the reason. For she is your mother. Like, <laughs> do you need another reason? Come on already. Yeah, right. And, uh, and lastly, and here we go. We're going to come into land here because some of you guys are going cross-eyed. So numbers 363, 4 and 5 have to do with authorities. And it says, you know, a king must not accumulate many horses or many wives or much gold and silver. There go some, beware of leaders who are feathering their own nest, whose snouts are in the trough. Oh, that's interesting. What about, last one, here we go, I'm dorking out here, last one, 362, do not appoint a foreigner over you. You know in our constitution, you know in section one, I think it's article two, it talks about natural born citizens. That, so some of this stuff, you think, wow, well that applies. Some of you are like, I don't know if that applies. And, uh, and the truth is, there's a, mixture of, there's a mixture of all of them. And some theologians talk about, well, the law, the Old Testament law, whether there's 613 or more or less, but 
they'll say, well, it's either ceremonial or it's civil or it's moral law. And the ceremonial law, chopping up the sacrifices in a certain way and, you know, and having the, the hair and, and the tephilim and the, the garments and all that, well, that no longer applies. Uh, some of the, the, the civil law doesn't apply anymore. The principles of it might, but the particulars don't because we don't live in a theocracy. Don't believe those websites. We don't. Some of it is the moral law and that endures. Do not murder, do not steal, the, the things like that. And, and that's a helpful way. It's a, a way that's been used to look at the Bible. But what I really want to talk about is this. That, and can I have up the thing? Uh, it's like a blue, um, bigger and bigger circles. There we go. What I want to talk about is, is this. And by the way, Rabbi uh, Moshi Ben Maimon, his acronym, and you're never going to forget this, is Rambam, okay? He's known as Rambam, okay? Anyone ever ask you about Rambam? But here, I want to talk about where Jesus in 13 says, you, you nullify the word of God by your tradition. If you grew up in a Catholic church, you know this typology. If you're Protestant, maybe you don't. Some Protestants like Grenz and Olson, who are pretty well-known theologians, use this. Other people say the things of doctrine of Highest importance, secondary importance, tertiary importance. Don't get strung up on the words. And don't even necessarily get strung up on the things, well, what's in the middle? What's on the outer rim? What's on the middle? Dogma, not like dogmatic, but more like what is of highest importance? Because that's another discussion for another time. What I want to say, brief word, is this. As Christians, we err by shoving everything to the front of the bus or the back of the bus. We shove it to the back. Ah, oh, it doesn't really matter. It's all just, you know, hunky-dory. It's, it'll work out in the long run, and it doesn't really matter. Some things do matter. Or we err by shoving everything to the front of the bus. Everything is of absolute, ultimate importance. And if someone doesn't believe this, like I believe this, and it might be one of the things that was on the sacred cows list, then they're not a Christian. And I get to decide that, because I'm kind of like mini-God. You err by if you go to the front or the back. Some things do matter. And what's in the centre? And if you've been brought along here today by a well-meaning, slightly annoying friend who loves Jesus, this little 30 seconds, this is for you. What is of core importance? It's that Jesus is God's Son who came from heaven to earth fully God fully man he was born of a virgin he lived this life where there was no sin in him there was no sin found in him his closest mates said that lived perfectly like no one else has and he went to a cross and on the cross he took your sin and he took my sin he took the awful things done to you and he took the awful things done to me and he finished with them once and for all he said it's paid it's finished God's wrath has moved on and he gave us his righteousness. Then after death, he rose again to life bodily, physically on the third day. And then shortly after that, he sent his spirit to his people. Then he ascended to heaven and he's going to be coming back bodily, physically. So is that nine things? Is it seven things? I'll leave it to you to decide. But these are the core things. Everything else 
Let's discuss it with grace. Even that, let's discuss it with grace. But if you're having a discussion with someone and they're not believing those things, well, hey, guess what? Keep having the coffee and the beer and loving on them and surfing with them or whatever, but you're actually in an outreach conversation. But if it's outside of that, it's a fellow Christian. Listen to them. You might not agree with them. Might be, they might be totally categorically absolutely wrong. Still listen. Mark Foreman uh, often quotes the, the famous Moravian phrase where it says, in necessaris unitas, in dubis libertas, in omnibus caritas, in the necessary things, unity. In the secondary things, liberty, freedom. In everything, love. In omnibus caritas, in charity. In everything, charity. Not like we think of giving to the poor, but charity. Be charitable. In everything, love. Many of you don't need to hear that. One or two of us do need to hear that. So remember, the honchos and now the peeps. He's talking from verse 14 through 16 to the crowd. And he called the crowd and he said, listen to me, everyone understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them. It's, it's what's within them. And he says, if, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. My Scottish father would, they used to quote this in old Scots. It's, all ye with lugs in your head, let them hear it. Oh, you with lugs? Lugs is your ears. I'll give you a thick lug, luddy. means you're about to get a spank on the ear. Like, all you with, with lugs in your head, with, with ears in your head, hear this, guys, hear this. This is important. It's not the outside stuff that, that makes you cruddy. I've got friends, you have partners, church, you have partners who are working in some of the world's toughest places, surrounded by human trafficking and corruption and grime. And they are not affected by that. They are affecting that. Can I have up the quotes from my, my kids? And whenever I do this, I owe each of my kids a dollar. So I'm just, uh, you know, winking at my daughter over here. So here's what my kids said. Because I sat them down and I said, kids, what do you think of this passage? And, and Moses, my oldest, said, well, we're rotten. And even the best rules, even the, even the, the mitzvah, even those rules, well, they won't stop us rotting. Only Jesus can stop us rotting. I thought that was pretty profound. My next guy, Tino, he's, he's uh, 12 now. He says, we make up complicated rules to be bossy to people and to make ourselves look fancy. <laughs> well, that's none of you guys. That can be me. Watch out, Pharisees. Watch out. And, and here's what my daughter said, and this is a segue to what's next. The evil that lives inside of you mostly doesn't show, but when it comes out of you, it shows. It mostly doesn't show the evil, the gnarliness, the prejudices, the yuckiness. Mostly it doesn't. But it can come out of us. His disciples, here we are in the last little bit. The disciples are like, we don't get it. And Jesus, he's so kind and wonderful, he says to them, are you so dull? <laughs> I do believe Jesus is kind. But hey, here's a little, here's a little rule of thumb. If you ain't got mates who are going to call you out when you're being dumb, maybe you ain't got mates. When was the last time, seriously, that you had a friend say, dude, you're being so stupid now? <laughs> Come on, sister, that's just ridiculous. Do you have mates like that? You know what, you could. Someone said, yep, yeah, I'm glad. But you can, you should. 
It's available. That's why we have small groups. That's why we exist here in a Jesus community together. And here, he says, it's not what goes into your heart, but what goes... Uh, for, for those things, they, they don't go into the heart, they go into their stomach and then out of the body. And my wife, whose first degree uh, was in biology, uh, told me, I didn't know this, but you know actually if you eat something, it's not considered in your body yet? You know, because you could eat a rock or, I don't know, a, a pip or something like that and it goes into your body and then goes out of your body. I'm not going to explain that, but you can figure it out. And, and, and that, it's still not entered your body officially it's only when it crosses over the membrane till the, the nutrients of it are taken in by your body, which I thought was fascinating. But then it goes out of the body. Okay, that's the outside stuff. And in, I love this. Mark, John Mark gives us these parenthetical remarks. Again. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean and lobsters everywhere tremble. And, uh, and I'm glad. I ate lobster last week. One of our mates staying with us is a fisherman and he got some for us. So, you know, that's, that's good news, right? But here we go. We're gonna, this, is, this is tough and this is where we're going to end. For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. And there's these sins there and we're like, yeah, that one, that's terrible. I can't believe those guys do that. Sexual immorality and theft and murder. And yeah, they're, they're terrible. And then adultery, yeah, and, and greed or deeds of greed, it says in one translation. The deeds of greed and, and malice and deceit. and uh, Deceit? Oh, what, like being loose with the truth? Uh, lewdness? The jokes that I said that weren't. Envy? Having an evil eye, it says in King James Version. Having an evil eye. Envy? Slander? Uh-oh, like speaking badly of someone else. Oops-a-daisy. Arrogance, like pride, haughtiness, the opposite of humility. Oh, my gosh. Folly, like foolishness, a want for wisdom. Uh-oh, Houston, we have a problem. I have a problem. This is not those crazy sins like, you know, pillaging the village and so on. And yes, they're terrible. This is, well, it is that. Here's what I want to say. Sin is not graded on a curve. Well, yeah, I mean, I did those terrible things, but I never committed genocide. Never did that. You know, I never murdered someone. I never, you know, uh, well, but, but have I done some of these? Well, I, ha I have. It's not a graded system of sin. It's a pass or fail. Either you're perfect or you need a saviour. Perfect or saviour. It's a total categorical binary. And all these evils come from inside a person and defile a person. You know, when Jesus was quoting from Isaiah before, uh, it's in what we call Isaiah 27. Back in the day, they didn't have chapters. That came about in the 12th century where a guy got sick of looking through heaps of pages and, and gave the Bible chapters. And then 300 years after that, another guy called Robert Etienne gave them verses. And they don't always, did you know, they don't always make sense where the verse ends and starts. Because like, you're like, that doesn't make, that's halfway through the thought. And apparently he was riding between Paris and Lyon by horseback. And so every now and again, he'd, you know, whoops it, Daisy. You know, that's the story. Who, who, who knows? But, but, but the part that we call Isaiah 27 that Jesus quoted from, 
here's, here's the point. Here's where we're going to end. It goes on. And it says, these guys, they're, they're, it's just lip service. It's fake. It's phony. It's baloney. Therefore, once more, it goes on. I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The, the wisdom of the wise will, will vanish. The intelligence of the intelligent will perish. Guess what, friends? If we're in that place where we treat the law as something that can give us one-upmanship, if we're thinking about it, that can enable us to be somehow over and better than others, um, if, we, if we're in that place where it can lead to hidden sin and the, the darkness of that in our lives, and, and Christian leaders are very prone to this, I praise God that in our church, um, Ryan and, and, the, and Mark and the folks who lead here, it, it's, it's open, it's transparent, and there's folks who care for them and hold them to account, and us to account, me to account. Friends, it's, it's really good, but, but it's not, none of this quiet, private, gnarly sin. But if we allow ourselves to be blown away with wonder at God's word, it's God's word. It can lead to this sense of loving folks and being engaged with the world. Inclusivity in that sense. It can lead to this sense of awe at who God is and it can lead to a heart for holiness. You guys could jump to your feet here um, and, uh, and actually, can I also at the same time have up the, uh, the James uh, passage? Um, so there's this, there's this great part in James and by the way, lots of people have asked me, what's your favourite translation, Nick? And I've got it for you, okay? It's the one that's better than all the other ones. You ready? It's the one you're reading. That one. That's the best one. Okay. I love, I love the King James. It's the, the best that the 16th century could come up with, and it's awesome, and the poetry of it. But I love this, this passage. Wherefore, you've got to love a passage that starts with wherefore. <laughs> wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. <laughs> Anyone out there got any filthiness? Anyone out there got any superfluity of naughtiness? <laughs> superfluity of naughtiness. Okay. But here's the thing. And, with, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. With humility, meekness, true humility. Get God's word. Let it be grafted into you. Let it be planted in you, the NIV says. That is able to save your souls. As we end here, I'd like to invite our worship leaders to come back out. Like I said, it's not a band, friends. It's not a show. They're just leading us forth in worship. We're all worshipping together. I want to share something about the difference between outside religiosity and the true heart and a time when I erred. Can I have up the photo of that, that pink, pink rock here as we, as we end? So... This, the, the actual literal rock was too small. It would fit in the palm of my hand. Um, but this was given to me and my wife by some friends who uh, come from a new age spirituality. As far as I know, still are not uh, walking with Jesus. That's between Jesus and them, but you know what I mean. And, um, and they, there was this time of our life that was really dreadful because one of our kiddos was in hospital and... Um, and of course, because, you know, I'm a moron, I thought that it'd be a really good time to have a terrible argument because, you know, kid in hospital, there's nothing, you know, no other pressures. And so V and me had had this thing and, and somehow these mates of ours, they knew about that. 
And, um, and I came into the place, their, their, uh, their cafe, and, um, and they said, look, we've got this present for you. But someone said you wouldn't accept it. And I'm like, there's not many things I wouldn't accept. Drugs, <laughs> porn, an AK-47. There's certain things I wouldn't accept, but, you know, certain things I'm like, okay. And, um, and they held out this rock, and they said, look, this rock is going to, if you put it in your lounge room, I think they said, it'll just emanate peace all around the place. And this thing of me, my wife got saved out of the new age and all that. So I'm like, oh, this is so wrong and it's just rubbish and it's ridiculous and there's pantheism and then, ah, this is internal. And I, oh my gosh, I thank the Lord that I didn't come out of this silly old mouth. And I looked and I, and I took the, the rock and I said, guys, um, this is precious to us. This reminds us of the creator who, who made it and who can bring peace. This is very precious to us. Thank you so much. Friends, as we sing this, uh, this song here, if you would be bold enough, if you would be brave enough, I want you to think about your rottenness. But don't stop there. I want you also to think about Jesus' kindness. And I want you to honestly think, are there sacred cows that you have, that you have elevated to ultimate importance, that have caused division? I want you to be bold about that. Be thoughtful about that. We have our prayer team is going to be down the front if you need to come and do some business with that. Because it's got in the way. It's got in the way for you. It's got in the way of the kingdom moving forward. So as we end, I, I felt compelled to, to read something prophetically and I, I want you to uh, if you join with me to let these words wash over you because some of us are dry and some of us are dry because we have allowed religiosity to be the determinant in our lives not intimacy with God through Christ and his wonderful spirit coming to us <coughs> coming to us but religion and I felt this word was for us today out of Ezekiel and just if you would just close your eyes and imagine imagine this happening the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley it was full of bones he led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley bones that were very dry he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together, bone to bone. I, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath yet in them. Then he said to me, friends, then he says to us, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it this 
is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. God, some of us have been dead in our religiosity. Some of us have allowed mere human traditions to dictate to us the things that we think and the way that we act. Lord, forgive us. Renew us. Bring us back to life and do it again tomorrow and again the day after. My prayer, Lord, for all of us, for all who call this a spiritual home, Lord, is that they would move from this place full of life, full of a deeper understanding of your word, how it's precious and valuable, Lord. How it moves us to loving the world around us, to wonder at you, awe at you, Lord, and a hunger for holiness. We're seeking you out and we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name.